This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. And as you can see, we are ready. Aaron and Bella, again, did a fantastic job decorating the set for the Christmas season. I know, Todd, now it's official for the Erzin family. You're all in now, too, so we're good here, right? Yeah, well, even you know. I mean, you don't put this out on November 1st. You know there's a certain level of decorum required. I'm, I'm, let's do this thing. Christmas music has been playing. It's good. Snow. Even the weather even knows, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Even the snow. weather knows. Yes, yes. So I guess now in, in, we are unanimous in wishing all of you a, uh, a Merry Christmas uh, as uh, we get started uh, with the uh, the most wonderful time of the most wonderful time of the year. It's always good to see all of you. Did you guys have a great Thanksgiving? Uh, how did yeah. it go? Yeah, I got the two big girls back from college. It was just nice having a, a full house. That's, yeah, I mean, it felt like the old days. Good. How about uh, the yeah, McIntyre? It was very good. Went over to the uh, the in-laws, had a, had a good time, really, really good turkey. I got some... Um, just for a special occasion, I haven't had any scotch for quite a while. Got some Lagavulin scotch. That stuff is delicious. That's uh, if you're a Parks and Rec fan. That's Ron Swanson's choice scotch. It was very good. Yeah, mm. we had, we had a really good Thanksgiving too. Uh, everybody got together, had a great day. I mean, even the Lions losing. I mean, they've lost seven years in a row on Thanksgiving. And and and, and uh, my son-in-law was watching the game with me, and I think he expected some outbursts and didn't get any. There, there's a part of me that was uh, almost laughing. I mean, in the midst of like this all-time great season, okay, to go out there and just face plant on what is usually we don't get many national TV games. Now, this year we've got a ton of them because of the way we finished last year. But for many years, this was our only national TV game because of how bad we were. And so to go out there and just face plant like that and get one more reminder, okay, that uh, there's there's still some demons to be exercised there. Did it feel like a warm, fuzzy blanket? In a way, it kind of did. <laughs> You know, it kind of did. I just got up, turned the TV off. Yeah, I've seen that one many, many times, you know. Uh, But uh, you take it a lot better when when it it just means you're eight and three now as opposed to, well, that's why we're three and eight. You know what I'm saying? So and then uh, rest of the weekend went good. Obviously, Saturday was a big day. Delivered all the way around. Yeah. I mean, the the college football on Saturday, man, it's why it's the greatest sport. It just it, it never... I mean, that the Alabama-Auburn game was incredible the entire time, but that finish was incredible. I mean, uh, we had some great games, you know, watching in the Big Ten. I mean, it was just a great weekend and uh, had a chance to get a date uh, day yesterday with Amy. Went out to, uh, you know, we went to church, went to lunch, went to the movies, uh, started getting de- getting the tree up. Our, our tree is just now going up. Here's why. It's because we found this really cool light set. That's choreographed. I mean, it's really cool, but it wasn't going to get to the house till Sunday. So we actually aren't going to have a, we it came yesterday. We got them hooked up. So we're going to decorate the tree tonight. That's, that's probably the latest we've ever gone decorating the tree in our house ever is this Monday. So. Well, only because you've apparently upped the game. So it's. Yes. But, but, but I had the outdoor stuff up 
Yeah. Like almost three weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Uh, speaking of uh, Monday, it is Cyber Monday. And today we are offering 30% off the first year of your Blaze TV Plus subscription. When you use the code CyberMonday30, this is the gift that keeps on giving. Perfect for yourself and those you love. When you subscribe to Blaze TV Plus, you'll get uh, everything on Blaze TV. That means you can watch endless hours of video content from your favorite Blaze TV hosts. Present company excluded, of course. Bonus episodes, documentaries and even exclusive live video chats with the host and you get premium news content because you're going to unlock blaze news articles featuring thought-provoking opinion and analysis as well as our new in-depth investigative reporting it's going to help to broaden your perspective on critical issues and it's now ad free so you can join and that means censorship free so you can join in the subscriber only comment section and enjoy priority customer support from our american based customer service team for any questions or issues that you might have so give yourself the gift of blaze tv plus today go to blaze tv.com use the promo code cyber monday 30 promo code cyber monday 30 for 30 percent off your first year of blaze tv plus again that's promo code cyber monday 30 Again, Cyber Monday 30 to save 30% off a gift subscription uh, at blazetv.com or giftblazetv.com, giftblazetv.com, giftblazetv.com. Cyber Monday 30 is the code. All right, coming up on the show today. Uh, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be here for his normal visit at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, it'll be your chance to ask me anything. But let's get started, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a cornucopia of international news. Hamas so far has released 58 hostages as part of a truce deal with Israel. Israel has released over 100 detainees back to Gaza. The ceasefire entered its fourth day today. Geert Wilders is the big winner in the Dutch federal elections of late last week. Wilders is described as an anti-Islamist Eurosceptic, whatever the heck that means, and is described by some as the Trump of the Netherlands. The Irish took to the streets late last week rioting after three children and two adults were stabbed by a 50-year-old Algerian immigrant outside of a school in Dublin, Ireland. The Irish took to the streets in protest, burning buses and cars. Protesters clashed with riot police as demonstrators set off flares and fireworks. Meanwhile, in the Irish Parliament... When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. Irish police have also opened up a hate speech investigation into UFC superstar Conor McGregor after he criticized the government's immigration policies. Back at home, Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer who was convicted in the killing of George Floyd, was stabbed in a federal prison by another inmate on Friday. A person familiar with the situation told the Associated Press that the incident happened at the Federal Correctional Institution in Tucson, Arizona. On the campaign trail, top Trump advisor 
Senator Roger Stone went on Twitter and complained about Casey DeSantis, wife of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and how she talks about her kids during stump speeches. Stone called Casey DeSantis a see you next Tuesday, which is a euphemism for one of the worst words in the English language, a word that rhymes with hunt. Donald Trump himself once again pushed the lie that the family leader's Bob Vanderplatz was paid for his endorsement of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, saying in a post on Truth Social, quote, anyone who would take $95,000 and then endorse a candidate who is going nowhere is not what elections are all about. In other news, a new study from Estonia, which analyzed data from nearly a quarter million people, shows that individuals with natural immunity to COVID-19 have better protection against the respiratory disease than those who received mRNA jabs. The Epic Times reported on the study saying, quote, people who received a vaccine were nearly five times as likely as the naturally immune to test positive for COVID-19 during the Delta era and 1.1 times as likely to test positive for COVID-19 during the Omicron era. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is told ya. And finally, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, released this drawing around Thanksgiving showing a family of turkeys gathered around a Thanksgiving table with a roasted human being at the center of the table. The caption reads, we're lucky turkeys would never do this to us. You don't have to do it to them either. But it gets better. The community note on Twitter underneath the photo has got to be one of the greatest of all time. It reads, quote, turkeys are not vegetarians. Turkeys eat mice, lizards, frogs, and just about anything they can fit in their mouth. If turkeys were larger or had the technological means to farm and eat humans, their current diet reveals they likely would. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> that is a great community note. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Constitution Wealth. They came on board right at the beginning of this year. And, and since have aligned tens of millions of dollars of investment and retirement funds within our audience uh, with, their, with their principles. And they have a question for you. If you're already making the decision, hey, uh, when possible, I'm avoiding doing business with people who hate me rather than giving them my money. It's not always possible. When it is possible, that's what I'm doing. If you're already doing that, then then why not extend that when it comes to your investment strategy as well? You don't have to give to companies with uh, ESG, DEI, and CEI uh, scoring as their religion. You don't have to go woke, and if you, it doesn't mean if you don't, you won't go broke. You can align your virtues and your values uh, and your portfolio with your principles. There's a way to be both profitable while being prophetic with your resources for the kingdom of God. They want to help you do that. So go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve, sign up, get a free consultation today, a free consultation today when you go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. To the montage we go, and after watching, I have a thought. And at first it's going to seem like it has nothing to do with what Aaron just presented, but stick with me, okay? I saw a fascinating movie yesterday, Napoleon, with Joaquin Phoenix in the title role. And uh, I was going to save this for Pop Culture Tuesday tomorrow, but it, it fits very much in line with what Aaron just highlighted is going on in Ireland as we speak, so I want to address it now. If you know this, and, I'm, and this isn't, you know, I know enough about this period of French history to be dangerous because a lot of it coincides with our own, obviously, okay? But if, if, you, if you just have a general understanding, I don't know enough, you know, I know that some historians have picked apart uh, how accurate the movie is in some areas. It's a very well done story. I'll let the you know hist the the people that know this era of history better than I do in more detail uh, tell you how accurate it is or isn't. 
but one of the things that is fascinating, if you look at Napoleon as a figure, and he's 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 one of the most controversial and and complicated figures in all of human history. Um, you know, post Reformation, the Protestant Church taught that. Um, Rome was either the whore of Babylon or the Pope was the Antichrist until Napoleon. And then it, then it, for a long time, it, it, for many years, it taught that Napoleon was (laughs) all right. Um, very complicated, controversial figure was not religious himself. Um, was part of the anti-royalists in the French revolution. Um, and then, of course, ends up ascending, uh, maneuvering himself to ascend to emperor, restoring the church. Um, but at the same time, he was considered, uh, well, restoring, I, I guess we'll say the influence of Catholicism in France. But he was also, uh, by Protestant countries, he was viewed as an antichristical level of character. Himself not personally religious in any way. Um by the standards of the colonial era, we're dealing the the death toll of his military campaigns was staggering, unlike anything that had really ever been seen in human history up until that point. And and one of the things that I think this movie does actually do a very good job of is get into the uh, the, the 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 prologue of his ascendancy and the conditions on the ground in France. And, and what you had in, in colonial France, and, and we've seen this, whether, we've seen this happen in cultures, whether we're dealing with a, a predominantly Catholic-influenced culture, or if you're talking about Germany in the 1930s, a predominantly Protestant-influenced culture, um, you, you, you see when, when, when the state and the church are too closely aligned that they violate those spears of authority and there's too much overlap. And it's almost like one is indistinguishable from the other. You, you see that the salt has kind of lost it. As Jesus said, the salt has lost its savor and therefore it's of no use of any to anybody except to be thrown out and to be trampled, trampled underfoot. It has, it's lost its prophetic witness. I I saw a quote the other day and I wish I could remember who said it. I'd give him credit. So don't credit me with this, although I wish I would have thought of it. Um, I saw a quote a few weeks ago. The problem with the, with, a, with the American church today is no one wants to kill its pastors anymore. No one wants to arrest its pastors anymore. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I, I, I texted uh, Jenna Ellis when she got arrested a couple of months ago. I texted her and I said, hey, congratulations. You're in great company. I mean, I, I, there are the, the list of people throughout the history of, 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 of the church who were great figures of influence and either at some point weren't in jail or threatened with jail is pretty small, actually. Pretty small. And I'm, I'm not sure how many of our suburban mega palaces are really any form of threat to the spirit of the age whatsoever. It doesn't mean they're all heretics. I don't believe that. But it does mean that they have, they have practiced a form of theological reductionism that, that the bare bones basics of the gospel that they apply, if it even addresses personal salvation, it, it, it does nothing other than that. 
And so therefore, it is largely not a threat to the broader world system because serious discipleship is not going on. So you've got your fire insurance, but you're, you're not a disciple. You've not, you're not being discipled. You're not discipling others. And one of the things you see that's depicted in this film, over 41,000 people during the reign of terror were put into prisons. 41,000 by Robespierre and his people. 41,000, over 41,000 people. And that's not even counting the amount of people that were given the guillotine. And most of them were royalty or church officials. They went into the, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. They tore down the statue of the Virgin Mary. They put up a statue to the goddess of reason, declared themselves a secular republic, essentially. And then Robespierre ends up being toppled because he ends up being just as bad as what they were overturning, just from the other side of the street. And, and throughout this history of France during this period of time, what you see, what you see with the tensions between the state is God, the royalists, vote populi, power to the people, the revolutionaries. There's something missing here in both of these camps. And it's a very big thing. A reverential fear of God. The scriptures say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the, the, the translation of that fear does mean fear. But it doesn't mean the kind of fear I had when I'd hear Dave's ram, tr- ram truck coming down the street. Wondering, you know... I don't know what kind of mood he is in. I, I don't, if he's had a good day, then we're going to be okay. If he's had a bad day, then it doesn't matter how good I did on this test or how many hits I got in the Little League game or how many points I scored in my basketball game, we're screwed because he's going to take it on on us. That's not what it means. That's, that's, when the, that's when the servant at the end of the parable, that's what the servant at the end of the parable of the talents meant. He says, I, I knew you were cruel and vicious, and so I was afraid to fail you, so I did nothing with the talent you gave me. I, I buried it. I hid it. And, and in, at the end of that parable, Jesus says, depart from me, you wicked servant, into the den of iniquity. No, it's the kind of fear. This is a different kind of fear. It's the, it's the kind of fear when your mom said, okay, going to play me like that? All right. Guess we'll just wait till dad gets home. That kind of fear. And you're like, gulp. That kind of, oh man, you mean, you mean my pops who provides everything for me, gave me life, his seed, that's why I have life, puts a roof over my head, protects me, defends me, provides for me, mentors me, and, and with, what he, with all that he has given me, I'm out here with his most, his most precious thing, his wife, my mom. And I'm treating her disrespectfully on his time, which is also disrespectful of him, right? And that is not a line you want to cross. He's earned your respect, right? All those things he has done for you, has he earned your respect? And therefore, is that which is precious to him, like your mom, his wife, would that also be earning of worthy of your respect? Yeah. And so will there be will there be consequences for violating that respect given everything that he has provided for you? There must be. There must be. 
You are to have reverence for what he did. You're to honor him for what he did. He is your father. And in this case, your heavenly father is who we're talking about. Gave you air to breathe. Food to hunt. Other people to love and to love you. And you're going to repay him with this foolishness? No. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. We will always reap what we sow. Always. I saw a story at the Blaze this week or this weekend about another would-be trans murderer with their own manifesto, essentially with a kill list. And I, I shared it and I tweeted, don't ever again, ever say again, I don't understand how a loving God would, would permit a hell. Instead, praise him for hell. Be comforted by it. For it is, it is the, for it, it is the recognition that God's justice gets the last word, as does his grace. But he's not like us. He can do both just fine at the same time. We can't do it. We, 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 we're not really good at it, but he is. That's kind of his thing. Be comforted that there's a hell. Be comforted that, the, that such people that would, that would so violate the relationship with their creator that they would then turn to his most precious thing, us. The only things in all the cosmos he created in his own image, us. And would seek to do such evil to us. And that without repentance, we are assured we won't spend forever with those people. We're safe from them. No, be comforted by hell. Fear going there yourself, yes. And respond accordingly to his grace, therefore that you will not, yes. But other than that, be comforted that it exists. That evil will be punished forever. And that is the final word. All this is missing. Everything I just said for the last five minutes, totally missing from the conversation in colonial France. The, the church has lost its savor. It does not speak prophetically to the royalty anymore. It is one with the system. And therefore, when the insurrectionists take over, they see the church and the royalty as one. And they do to the church exactly what they did to the royalty. They brought the bishops out and beheaded them right after Marie Antoinette. Then they put themselves in power, ye be like God, and they are absolute tyrants. Robespierre had over 40,000 French people, French citizens, put in prison. And that's not counting the amount he had executed. No fear of God there, and no fear of God here at all. And you know why it's lacking? St. Paul says, why will they, how will they hear the word if there's no one to preach it to them? The church has lost its prophetic witness. It doesn't stand up. It doesn't say to the royalty, you are not permitted to manipulate the poor and the working like this. And it doesn't say to the poor and the working, you are not permitted to commit crimes and to be murderers just because you're poor. It doesn't, it, it doesn't do that. It, it just goes to the balls. It enjoys its seat at the table. And, and then when the, when the people have had enough, when they've reached their breaking point, it gets, it gets lumped in with the system. You see where I'm going with this? That's exactly what you're watching playing out right now in Ireland. This exact same thing. Yes. The exact same thing. Um, you're, you're talking about 
one of the places where the Catholic Church is still the most active in society in the West. But in many cases, similar to what you see with the Protestant Church of England, I mean, the, it, it used to be kings used to try to kill the Bishop of Canterbury. Now the Bishop of Canterbury is a whore. He's a whore of Babylon. Anything the system wants, he will provide. Any talking point, you want Islam, you got it. You want rainbow jihad, you got it. He's a whore for the spirit of the age. That's what the Bishop of Canterbury is now. Well, the Catholic Church has lost its witness in Ireland. It doesn't speak prophetically to the people anymore. And so therefore, like they have in the past, because history doesn't just repeat, it rhymes. We're just going to play this song again. And that's what's happening in Ireland. And now, men like Conor McGregor, men like Robespierre, see where I'm going with this? Men like Andrew Tate. These men, these men will now step into the breach and do the work of the church. Except they will not do it they will not they 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 will not do it in a way and never have that makes you say all right that's a problematic figure but i can you know i can see that this is kind of where god is just using a figure like this because he's kind of given up no they won't do it prophetically in any way it'll just be one form of sinful humanity versus another Okay. Well, I guess since we don't have the church, we'll just have to go Irish Proud Boys. We'll just have to do that then, I guess. How will the state respond? Well, you saw that in Aaron's montage too, didn't you? Well, now we're just going to, you know, for the common good, we're just going to get rid of all rights altogether. So we're going to squeeze tighter. Let them eat cake. Okay. Well, the system, when you're at this kind of a breaking point, and you're running out of things. You start counting the cost. You're like, I'm kind of running out of what I'm going to lose here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm already losing jobs to the, I'm already losing jobs to illegals. I've already lost my culture to Islam. Now, now our daughters are getting raped and assaulted. Okay. What, what do we, I, I've got nothing. Where, I, where, where would I go to petition? Who will listen to me? The cops are now investigating me, not the refugees we brought in. See this, this is where this always goes. And who, who is absent in this conversation? Who is nowhere to be found in this conversation? The one, the one, the one, the one, the one institution that God has established and ordained for precisely these sorts of confrontations, clarifications, challenges. But the light's under a bushel. The salt has lost its savor. And so now we'll, we'll just watch history repeat itself. It is, it's not the, the Irish uh, proud boy wannabes with too much Guinness after the soccer match who have had enough. They're not the villain here. By the way, neither is that uh, World Economic Forum, you know, wannabe 
babe. Uh, she's not the villain here either. These are archetypes. These archetypes occur all throughout history. It's, it's the best we can do in our sin. In our sin, the best we can do is either tighten the grip or vo populi. We can't do better. We're not capable of it. We're sinners. What made our revolution so unique is the recognition of this, that we're sinners. Thomas Jefferson, cutting the miracles out of his New Testament, is the one who said, uh, who said I, I tremble, fearing the justice of God. Ben Franklin, maybe the most lascivious of all our founding fathers, enjoyed those trips to France way too much, stands up and says, I know this, we have no hope here if we don't stop and pray to the Father of Lights right this minute, right now. That self-awareness, that spirit of humility within them, the recognition of their own limitations as human beings, the existence of their own sin, is what provided them, despite their biases and imperfections and contradictions, the opportunity for providence to bless them with the creation of the freest society and the most exceptional country that ever God permitted to exist. But man, they had to, th they had to thread a very tiny needle. This doesn't exist anywhere else. It doesn't exist anywhere else in human history. Didn't exist in the French history. Doesn't exist with what's going on with Ireland right now. Because the villain here is the church. The proud boy wannabes, the, the status tightening the grip, these are archetypes of human sinfulness, manifestations of our sin. This happens in language and custom, regardless of era, every era of our history as a, as a species. The church is to be the transcendent institution that stands athwart this, to athwart this. But it's, it's not a part of the conversation. It's abdicated. And so we will watch history play itself out, as it always does. Minus the church, minus the word of God. This is always what occurs. Because the Bible is not an old book that tells us what happened. It's an eternal book that tells us what always happens and what is also happening. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org chosen. Well, we are living in unprecedented times. Bing. Hey, we are. Our most trusted institutions deceiving us boldly, it seems, every single day. Something is clearly wrong. We're heading into winter. A lot of economic markers are not looking good. Uh, just make sure you're ready. Uh, it is better to be prepared and not need something than to need something and not be prepared for it. So go to our friends at My Patriot Supply right now. Get their three-month emergency food kit. That's... Um, 
over 2,000 plus calories that you need every single day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks. There's well over a dozen different types of meals and sides, so you can mix and match for variety. These stay good for well over 20 years with proper shelf life. You can't beat it. Um, and uh, right now, you can get it at preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. And if you order by 3 p.m., your food kits ship fast on the exact same day for free. Same day shipping for free at preparewithdace.com. Once again, at preparewithdace.com. We welcome in our good friend Bob Vanderplotz here from The Family Leader. It is good to see you, Bob. Good to see you. Like the tie. Hey, That's nice. thank you. So... I, if you'll indulge me here for just a couple of minutes. Um, Don't I do that every Monday? Just I, indulge I, you for a couple I, of minutes? I think this time you're going to enjoy doing it. Though. <laughs> okay. All right. It, what's happening right now with the, the defamatory statements being made by the former president about your endorsement of Ron DeSantis and it being bought off? And I'm going to give you all the time you want to address it. But, uh, but I, I just want to say a couple of things about Bob that uh, he won't say about himself. Okay. I have... I have known a lot of people in this business. I've had a lot of people. <laughs> my kids can tell you stories of people who are in our home as guests and then disappeared and weren't around anymore. Um, the, the amount of people that I have, the amount of relationships I've gained, lost, regained, relost, gained, lost, usually on the basis of whether or not what I'm doing right now is a benefit to the other side or if the side I'm taking right now is the same side they're on. But that's when we get into this business, we sign up for that. I mean, that's that's part of the deal here. So there's no crying for me, Argentina. But I, I'll tell you this. I have known very few people in this business, very few. And I have known a lot of people in this business. I have known very few people in this business who operate with more integrity than Bob Vanderplatz does. You learn a lot about a man when you share a hotel room with him. And I'm not talking about in a Lindsey Graham kind of way. Double beds. All right. Bob and I have done this on more than one occasion. Double beds every time. You hear the phone calls. You hear the conversations. You hear the things that don't go on when the camera is on. I have. I have been I've been honored to have Bob's help to launch this show. Twelve and a half years ago. I was honored to have Bob's help to raise the help help me raise the money to make Nefarious the film. And let me tell you what Bob asked for in return and then got in return both of those times. Squat. Nothing. Never been a time I, that he came back to me and asked me to change my mind on something or if I, if I don't align with this. There's been plenty of times him and I disagreed. We, him and I disagreed for six months this year on Vivek Ramaswamy, for example. How many times you come in here and tell you guys you're being too hard on him? Several. That's what friends do. We don't have to agree on everything. That's, that's part of being a person of integrity. And let me give you I, the best I can tell you about the respect I have for Bob and this ministry at the family leader. And again, we don't agree all the time. I mean, they, they, you guys had guests here in this office this year who told their staff, don't let Steve Dace anywhere near me. All right. <laughs> we don't, we don't agree all the time. We don't have to, but I can't, I can't give a better vouch for the level of respect I have for Bob and his ministry than this. When Bob started talking to me well over a year ago about hiring my own daughter, who you guys see on this show now, about hiring Anastasia to come and work for the family leader, which she does now. I mean, I, I, love, I love Anna with all my heart. 
the, the role that she has played by God's providence in my own conversion and my own growing up and becoming the man, whatever that means that I am today, the bond her and I have is, is irreplaceable. But I also needed to make sure that spiritually she was ready to step into this kind of a role because I knew the amount of integrity that they operate with here. And for a while, I didn't think she was ready. Like a lot of teenagers, particularly of the homeschool variety, she went on and built her own testimony for a while, all right? But she had to make her faith her own. And I needed to make sure, if I was going to recommend to one of my best friends, yeah, go ahead and hire my kid. I needed to make sure that the level of integrity that she was able to operate at was up to the standard of this ministry. And it wasn't until I was sure of that that I went ahead and said, yeah, I think she's ready for you. I, I can't give a better recommendation than that. My own kid, who I would kill any of you for, to protect her, without hesitation. I made sure that her character was ready to work here before I gave it my blessing. I can't give a better recommendation than that. But then I heard some news this weekend, Bob, that disturbed me and upset me. You know, we went through this a decade ago. The price was $1 million. And now I'm being freaking told that you sold out for just 90 grand. And I'm like, you're, you're worth a lot more than that, Bob. What is going on here? It was a million dollars for Rick Santorum, who literally did not have a Dutch oven to urinate in. Had to go home on the weekends to mow his own lawn. True story. Had nothing. Had nothing, no money as a candidate. You supposedly endorsed him for a million dollars. And now, DeSantis sitting on a tens of millions of dollars super PAC. And you just, you just, you know, lifted the dress up for 90 grand. I mean, if your board's got to be exceedingly disappointed to hear that news, they would have figured you're worth a lot more than that by now, Bob. You, you don't, you, I, I know Biden's president right now said so depreciation is a thing we're all used to, but you're worth way more than you were 10 years ago, Bob. Well, Steve, first of all, it's well said. And first of all, thank you for that, you know, vote of confidence, uh, words of encouragement, and frankly, words of endorsement for me, for our ministry. Uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, in scripture, the Bible talks about your name is more precious than gold, meaning protect your name. And so what we always do is we try to make sure that we are above reproach in anything. Matter of fact, uh, when Reuters was doing their investigative uh, reporting and their investigative inquiries and research on what the Trump team put them down in July regarding, hey, DeSantis gave all kinds of money to the family leader, you know, find out what's going on. He's selling his endorsement, whatever it is. I believe they spent three weeks doing investigative research on those payments. And when they came out with the article, and that's what I tell people all the time, read the article. It could not have been more of a glowing endorsement of who we are, how we operate, and everything's in the sunlight. Everything's above board. The only reason that Trump and his team can even point to anything is because we've done everything above board. But the other part about being above board, Steve, 
is the IRS says we cannot give things of value to a candidate. We cannot make a corporate contribution to a candidate. So therefore, because you're a nonprofit, well, and those are considered in-kind yeah. contributions, right? And you're yeah. a corporation. I mean, we're a 501c3, we're a 501c4. We cannot give an in-kind contribution. So therefore, the the media company that you work for, Blaze TV, uh, they were our media partner for the leadership summit, right? Well, they paid real dollars to be part of the leadership summit. Why? Because they saw it of exceptional value. And if you talk to the leadership at Blaze TV, they'll say the ROI for that leadership summit was unbelievable. The reason is that summit was bigger and larger than anything we've ever done, anything that they ever anticipated. You got Tucker Carlson there. Well, then you have a, a dinner at a World Food Prize uh, and people have been to the World Food Price headquarters. It's a beautiful place, downtown Des Moines, where the special guest is Tucker Carlson and me doing an interview with Tucker. But it's very, very limited. Well, to be there, that's twenty grand a table. So we can't give that away. So if you want to be there, I don't care if you're a campaign or if you're a business or if you're Todd and Steve and Aaron and the Steve Day Show, it's twenty grand for the table. And to me, a smart candidate, a smart campaign said, I want to be there. Those people are the influencers, and I'm trying to win the Iowa caucuses. So everything that Ron DeSantis did was above board in sunlight, and everything the family leader did, same way. The same is true for Vivek Ramaswamy, who participated in the summit, participated uh, at the dinner afterwards, brought his wife, Aporva, all the way from Chicago, flew her in that day from Chicago to Des Moines for that dinner, how important that dinner was. Tim Scott did the same thing. And all of the candidates had an opportunity to do it. All of them did. And the ones who didn't choose to do it, they had the red carpet rolled out for them at the Leadership Summit. I mean, Asa Hutchison, Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, they all had the red carpet laid out for them. We didn't treat them any different. We gave them a complete exposure to our base. But what it does here, in my opinion, when the former president is going after me for selling my endorsement, first and foremost, I said this before, I'll say it again, Donald Trump knows better than anybody, anybody, that my endorsement never has been and never will be for sale. He knows that better than anybody. But then to say I sold Rick or Ron DeSantis bought my endorsement for 95 grand, Steve, I'm with you. First of all, I was offended. Like, really, you think I sold an endorsement for 95 grand? Absolutely not. The money didn't go to me. It went to the ministry of the family leader, which happens to go for a good thing. If I'm the DeSantis campaign, the Ramaswamy campaign, or any one of the campaigns, I'd say that leadership summit was an unbelievable ROI. Versus spending millions of dollars on whatever TV station you're spending on, these are the people that make a decision. But then, Steve, you'll recall before my endorsement, there's all kinds of stuff about my endorsement doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. This thing doesn't matter. But now it's not, it's like, it matters bigger than life. I'm obsessed with it. And we invited the, the former president to participate in the leadership summit. We invited him to participate in the Thanksgiving family forum. Two things that he chose not to go to, willing to give him an audience in front of our base as well. I think we even offered him and his campaign opportunity to purchase promotion in the programs, whatever it was, to make sure that you still love the base, whatever it is. Never was that a pay for play. That was operating with 
the utmost of integrity by the rules we have been given. And so we're making sure that we do things that we're above approach. That's why the charity navigator rating, which is very hard to come by for a nonprofit, 100% rating here at the Family Leader, 100%. You guys wouldn't be on the in the crosshairs of the IRS for any reason. Like they, they, there's no history of the IRS loving taking organizations like yours down, right? <laughs> of course, but that's why we we more than that. It's scripture. It's biblical. Don't let your testimony be disqualified for the prize. But now, when you come out against me and by extension the family leader, and saying that we're pay for play, we're bought and paid for, and this is how we do business, that's just beyond the pale. And that means when we say choose well 2024, uh, everything here is not a trait of a leader. The former basketball coach and me, I used to tell my basketball kids all the time, your character will be most revealed under pressure. When you didn't make the shot, when it didn't go, your the call didn't go your way. What will your character be like under pressure? And what you're seeing from the former president is character being revealed. Character being revealed, first of all, with Governor Reynolds and what he did by cutting a video against her. Two of the most popular governors and the most results-producing governors in the country, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds. And you completely throw them under the bus and you call them names and that just because they don't bow the knee to you. That's not leadership. And then because I don't endorse you, to throw me under the bus, my family under the bus, as well as our ministry under the bus, because we don't bow the knee to you. That tells me more than ever, this party and this country needs to choose well about who's going to be representing us as president of the United States. Because being president is just not a CEO. It's not just moving the embassy to Jerusalem, as much as we applaud that. It's not, just, it's not just appointing three Supreme Court justices, even though we applaud that. It's being a statesman. Are you worthy to be followed? Are moms and dads, grandpa and grandmas, are they willing to point to you and say, grow up to be like him or her? And I told people, Steve, in 2019 in Jerusalem, and we knew the 2020 election was, was coming upon us. And I told them the number one hurdle for Donald Trump is I've never met a dad or a mom or a grandpa or a grandma who have told me they want their son or daughter or grandchild to grow up to be like him. That's a big deal. And I think America would be well served today. And I think we have Ron DeSantis here. Ron DeSantis with his wife, Casey, and their little children, a model family. It's an opportunity, and I think Iowa is going to see right through this. I've had people all over the weekend saying, I'm done. What he's done to you, what he's done to Reynolds, it's proven a lack of leadership. Steve, do you remember when we went after the three Supreme Court justices in Iowa, and I debated two Supreme Court justices, and when they left the issue of the Constitution— and judicial retention. And they started turning on Bob Vanderplatz, the person. I said they lost the debate. They lost the debate because now they went after me, not after the issue. To me, Trump deserved to lose my endorsement. Matter of fact, I've never endorsed him. But he proved he was not worthy of the endorsement. Of me, of the ministry, and by extension, the broader body. And I believe Iowa will rise up. I believe I will send a message on January 15 because I think they're seeing through this as well. Uh, this is smoke and mirrors. This is not leadership our country needs.
I've got less than a minute. I mean, these are clearly defamatory statements. I mean, this stuff is getting spread all throughout social media to millions of people. At, at what point does this become illegal? Should there be a, a legal consequence for this? Well, it's a great question. Matter of fact, I even said to some of our team today, I said, listen, this guy is probably the biggest voice in the entire world of the global platform. Mm-hmm. Not just going after me, but by extension, our ministry. And Steve, well, I think there is a potential of being liable here. Uh, right now, my focus is going to be on electing Ron DeSantis. Does Donald Trump deserve to be sued? Probably, but we'll wait for that. Right now, I believe Ron DeSantis deserves to win and Donald Trump deserves to lose. I think that's the best message we can send him right now. And I really do. I hope and I pray that he would try to raise, rise up to a higher standard, whether you're president again or not. You're a candidate for the highest office of the land. You know, act like it. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Appreciate it. We'll come back hour two. It'll be your turn to ask me anything next. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, he's Totters, and he's Aaron McIntyre. You are you, and you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And for those of you that are listening today on the podcast, thank you so much. You're a big part of our audience. Please, if you haven't done this yet, leave us a five-star review. Thank you to those who have done that. And hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, hit follow. And that way, every time we do a new episode, it will show up in your feed every single time. And uh, muchas gracias to those of you who have done that for us as well. This part of the show brought to you by our friends over at Samaritan Ministries, because this is the time of year when many of us are thinking about how we're going to pay our family medical bills in the next year which is, in this case, 2024. So before making a final decision, here's three reasons we think you should take a look at healthcare sharing via Samaritan Ministries. Number one, you're going to be a part of a Christian community. Uh, So when you have a medical need, fellow Samaritan members and their money directly go to you and they help you pay your medical bills and you'll do the same for them all the while, you're praying for and encouraging one another. Uh, two, there are no networks which puts you in control of your family's health care. So you know what's best for them. So you choose the doctors and hospitals you go to and have a say in the treatments that they receive. Three, you can set your own start date. You can join today, start healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries right now, or choose what month you'd like to start in the future. It's all up to you. So whether it's a broken bone, uh, something like cancer, uh, a pregnancy, or other medical emergencies, you're going to find comfort knowing you're connected to over 80,000 Christian households across the nation who stand ready to care for one another spiritually and financially during a time when it's needed most. And it could be more affordable than what you're paying right now. So check it out for yourself at SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. I want to say one more thing on, on the Bob Vanderplatz front and reiterate. I, I don't know anybody I've seen operate with more integrity in this process than Bob has. 
I mean, with the access that he has has he has to presidential campaigns, he could have cashed this thing in and become a big join some big national group. He he could have I, I, guys. I just I know him. I know this family. Um, my my own family knows them. It's just it's just a complete lie. And I I go back to the Brett Kavanaugh thing, and I remember saying at the time, if you truly believe that Brett Kavanaugh is a marauding rapist, get off social media and call the police. Remember that when I kept saying that? Yeah. You're not doing anything by pointing this out on social media. I think we all want a rapist off the street, correct? So get off social media, call the cops, okay? Don't call, don't call a stringer in MSNBC. They can't help you. They, they can't. Don't, don't call the digital editor at CNN. Also can't help. Right? They're not doing citizen's arrests. If you believe we are about to put a rapist on the U.S. Supreme Court, call the police with your evidence. Call the people and authorities who can do something about this. Similarly, those of you who are perpetuating this, you are the right-wing Kavanaugh truthers. The IRS interested in taking down conservative and uh, Christian nonprofits these days? No evidence of that. They have an appetite for that. What was that, Aaron? No evidence of that at all. Yeah. And of course, what you just said, Todd, not to mention, like, I don't care if they take out frauds. I mean, the IRS wants to go after a bunch of the prosperity gospel hacks. Not my fight. Know what I'm saying? I don't care. I mean, I'd kind of prefer that we would, you know, expose our own heretics in the church the way we're supposed to, but you know, if it takes the world system to go after these people who are, um, who are, who are predators for people at their absolute weakest moments. Yes. I'm, I've got cancer. It's terminal, but if I buy your prayer cloth, it will all go away. So I'll just keep giving you my 1599 a month with my love gift. Those people are the worst kinds of leeches and IRS wants to go after them. Not my fight. Have at it. Similarly, if you believe the head of a prominent Christian nonprofit is taking money under the table to sell his endorsement, don't go on social media. They, that can't help you. Won't help. Won't do anything. Nothing will change. It won't change anything. Call the IRS. Call the IRS and present your evidence, just like you should do with Brett Kavanaugh. Call the cops. Get off social media. Call the police. Get off, in this case, get off social media, call the IRS. Several of you have emailed me. Grandma QAnon told me that Bob Vanderputz, who she can't even pronounce his name, is, had his, was paid for his endorsement. Tell Nana, all right, to put down the flip phone, all right, and to log out. Tell uh, Nana47 for America to log out of her QAnon account long enough. Call the IRS. They'd love to know. They would absolutely love to know that the head of a prominent Christian nonprofit is taking money under the table with a political endorsement as the head of a 501c3. I think they'd have a... Merrick Garland and his DOJ strike you as the type and this current IRS have a keen interest in such a subject matter. They would like that gift under their Christmas tree. Indeed. Call them. Get off social media. Don't jump into any more Facebook groups. Call the IRS. Otherwise, you're just a liar.
making infa- and you're spreading defamatory statements. All right, let's get to it. Time to ask me anything. You guys know how this works. Our Facebook followers supplied the questions this week. Todd, you have determined which questions we will be answering. I've not seen any of them at all. I will see them now for the first time when, Aaron, you share them. And we will begin with Stephen Stroop, and I'm going to group this together with the next question as well at uh, Todd's behest. Uh, This is from Stephen Stroop. Uh, What good is it for us to put so much emphasis on a parallel economy when it's all using the same currency? When they switch it to the digital dollar, it'll be easy for them to cut off every company that doesn't toe the line. Next, from Kent Miller. He asks, instead of fighting in a traditional war using military superiority or fighting a trade war using tariffs, how are we to fight the transnationalists in their war of price externalities against the West? For example, our cohesiveness, production, and competitiveness as a nation is greatly affected by the hostile use of excessive safety regulations, environmental policies, alternative energy plans, monetary policy, immigration, and the intentional inversion of morality. Uh, Moreover, how long can the so-called American media pretend to be blind to the reality of even being in such a war? Both of these are excellent questions. Let me begin, though, with a a warning. Because it's clear both of the individuals asking these questions are really smart. Okay? And one of the issues you have when you're really smart is you see things other people don't see. You, you see the nuances and complexities of things that other people miss. And you're able to connect dots that go beyond people's current, uh, you know, level of vision of a situation or a, a, or a problem. And right now you're like, well, Steve, none of those are bad things. No, they're not bad things. But they can at times... They, they can at times almost be, let me quote from my all-time favorite sports announcer, Keith Jackson, analyzing is paralyzing. That when you do put everything together as the two of you just did separately, you can create a scenario where it just seems as if this thing is beyond our reach. It's, it's utterly hopeless. And what history has shown us is to beware, beware the outlier. There was a very com- complex system of Jim Crow and segregation in the South post-Reconstruction well into the mid- midway point of the 20th century. It existed for almost... What, Plessy versus Ferguson was 1898. Brown versus Board of Education was, what, 1954. So we're talking well over half a century that this system existed. And understand, the system predates Plessy versus Ferguson. That was just the codification of that system that was challenged into law by the Supreme Court. If we could have done this, the idea that that we were ever going to undo institutionalized racism in America... You could have connected a lot of the very similar dots. How much of the of the economy is 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 is, is tied into this? The education systems. I mean, we could have we could have we could have laid out a web 
that showed this is an intricate system probably beyond our grasp and it's not going to go easily. And then one day, a 29-year-old Baptist seamstress got on a bus and just said the word no. The outlier. Just said the word no. The outlier. Gandhi did to the British Empire what other countries and would-be rivals on the world stage were unable to do for a century and a half. The outlier. Again, the outlier. Leave room for the outlier in your analysis. I mean, look at COVID. On on March 17th, 2020... Seemed pretty airtight to most people, didn't it? But a few of us were outliers. One country, Sweden, was an outlier. Giving us real-time data that the system didn't want us to have. Make room. Human beings are not algorithms. Human beings aren't formulas. They're not flowcharts. They're not plans. Human beings are complicated creatures and amalgamations of trillions of cells and nerve endings that can accomplish great things through terror, through terror inspiring methods, terrible things with the best of motives. The best things with the worst motives. Human beings are not a formula. There's always the cow that kicks over Mrs. O'Leary's lantern. And so you, when, you, when you're doing that math that you two guys are doing, you need to make room for the outlier. Hard to tell who that outlier is, where it'll come from, what it will be. But the detours in history, the systems that seem like they were beyond entrenched to the point of being impossible to overcome, and now they're footnotes in history books no one reads anymore. There's always the outlier. Make room for the outlier. What are the kinds? So it's it's tough to gauge and predict whom or what the outlier will be. But you can look at the conditions and and find out where do such outliers emerge. And usually, it's right around the time when smart folks like you two guys do all the math and lay it all out, and it seems like this thing's impenetrable. Remember, the iron law of the universe bends to truth in the end. Why? Because the creator of, of this universe is truth himself the iron law of this universe bends to justice in the end 
Why? Because it's creator. The creator of this universe is justice unto himself. Goes back to what I said last hour about a hell. Even if you don't see justice in the natural, in the supernatural, it exists into eternity. So leave room for the outlier. Your math is correct, but it's missing a variable. The outlier. The moment one person in one situation, one country, just says no. And then suddenly, everything changes. Just when it seemed like it was never going to change. And it's just happened in the Netherlands. They tried to take all the land away from the farmers Correct. and plant their style. And now they got Gert, what's his name, and whatever. Yep. Like, I don't know what that guy's going to do. Neither do you, but nope. no idea. that's what Steve's talking about. No, no idea. No idea at all. You don't know. Be, make sure you leave room for the outlier. We're not an algorithm. We're humans. Next question. We will go to Tammy Brandt. Is it possible to have your respective kids cover an episode for Father's Day? Huh. I've not thought about that previously. That's not a bad idea. I would love to hear Noah doing live reads. <laughs> I think he could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Did you guys see the uh, the picture he sent me with uh, him with uh, Ryan Day in his post game? He is developing a very uh, you know it's funny he is um, as he gets older he is developing a personality that is way more similar to mine than it was when he was growing up. He was much more like his mama. Okay. And he is, he is still, uh, more tenderhearted than I was at that age, which is good. I, I wanted him to be, you know, I, um, the way that I was raised, um, I, I, some of those things got calloused at a, at a young age. So I, I, I wanted him to not have to feel like he needed to live group because he, he grew up in an environment where that was required of him. Okay. So, but he is definitely developing more of uh, the Steve Dace in his own way. He's got his own personality, but he has certainly developed more of the Steve Dace, uh, cut me deep. <laughs> sense of humor. <laughs> I think he'd love, I think he, you know, I think he, I, I, that's a great idea. I hadn't even thought about it. That that's maybe something to think about. Hmm. Next, we go to Marsha Sikor, who says, is there even a scandal or crime anymore that would get more than a momentary shrieking that fades quickly to a yawn? It seems like the public has the attention span of a gnat, so it's no wonder nobody is ever held accountable. I think that's, you know, I, that's a great observation, I think, on your part. And uh, I think we got a question a few weeks ago, or maybe it was a buy-seller hold about great speeches or rants in movies was that a buy seller hold maybe aaron that we yeah that we had yep and i i mentioned one off the board that the, the the rant that john milton or the devil played by al pacino gives at the end of the devil's advocate and he, he essentially says to summarize it we are going to flood your system with so much injustice so much moral relativism that it's just going to be the norm and that movie came out, what, 1997, so a good quarter century ago? 
and uh man we're old hot we are getting old mm-hmm. and uh Charlize Theron is not getting old though she doesn't look much different than she did in that movie in 1997 but that speech has been prophetic it's the era in which we live right now and let me go back to what I just said to the other to the other two guys though okay it's it's the genie's out of the bottle and so the idea that we're going to rein all of this back in is not realistic. We have to, that's why you got to pick something and make an example out of it. What we've kind of done is nothing. Like Julie Switnick, no, not punished. All the Kavanaugh people not punished. Michael Avenatti got punished, but he got punished for a completely separate matter involving what was it, Nike or something, if, if I remember right? He was involved in some kind of scheme there that he went to prison for that. But none of the stuff that he was peddling in, in, that made him a media celebrity there in 2017 and 18, he was held accountable for none of that. And if it wasn't for this other tertiary matter he's involved in, he probably would still be in the, he'd still be a fixture on cable news as we speak right now. This can work the other way, too. If we look at all the injustice that is unpunished and just say there's too much out there, nothing can happen, then nothing will happen. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is where now you need to be the outlier or we need to we need someone to be the outlier and say. I I can't punish everything. But I'm going to punish. I'm going to punish that. I'm going to punish that. I'm going to make an example out of that. And it's got to be something that resonates with people and then also draws fear should people try to cross a line later on because there needs to be a precedent right now people think they can get away with virtually anything provided they just say a few buzzwords even harvey weinstein tried it remember what was his one of his last public acts before he got hauled off to prison was a massive donation to take out the nra or something okay there was just so It was so transparent, man. It was translucent what he was trying to do, okay? It was very obvious. He was trying to make alms to the spirit of the age to let him go, okay? So I I think that you're right. Too much injustice has occurred. We're not going to rein it all in. So let's pick one thing. For me, I think that thing is COVID. We'll get more into this in the overtime. More data continues to accumulate. More people continue to die suddenly. More The excess death numbers continue to not subside in, pe- in age groups that should not be having escalating excess death numbers. But if we don't have a will to inflict justice in one area, then we won't inflict justice in any areas. And if we think, well, since we can't inflict justice in every area then therefore we won't try to inflict and impose justice in any area, then injustice will just occur. At some point, someone just needs to say, yeah, we're going to punish that. Can't punish everything, but we're going to make an example out of that. Next question. Can I say one thing? Of course. It's important. I saw this a little online uh, this weekend. It's important for Christians to be realistic truth-based 
Steve talks about all the time. I just want the truth, good, bad, you know, so, and then we can proceed from there. Because, you know, that if you don't have the truth to start with, um, you're probably going to be uh, spinning your wheels at best, if not making it worse. But that's different. As Christians, we can't be fatalistic. And I see a lot of Christians doing that and think they're just being truthful. What? Look at your entire faith from beginning to end, Old Testament to new. It's all an embodiment of Gimli's speech, you know, incredibly low odds, certain chance of death. What are we waiting for? You know, you don't, you don't, you don't get to just sit there and say, there's just no point in it all. That is, there's nothing biblical about that. To be honest, truthful, reasonable, all important, but fatalistic. You got to put that away. Yeah. You are the right wing version of the climate crazy saying, why would you ever want to have kids when sure. it's destroying Great the planet? Point. And, you know, we're, we're all going to be a ball of fire here. You, you are the right wing version of that. And that's a great point, Todd. It is a great point. Let me add a distinction, if you don't mind. And if you want to yeah. push back, you're welcome to. I have low confidence we're going to turn this thing around. As low. do I. Low. Okay. Here's the thing, though. I'm a Christian, so so the basis, the entire basis of my worldview is not a belief. It's not a dogma. It's not a creed. It's not a philosophy. It's a fact or it's not. Either a carpenter from Nazareth named Yeshua died on a cross and then on the third day walked out of that tomb like a boss or he didn't that's it that's the whole thing if that happened then from there from there we then examine okay that worldview clearly demonstrates superiority to all others it's raising people from the dead so from there we will now examine its beliefs its creeds its its, its dogmas its philosophies you see what i'm saying but those aren't the gateway to the faith they are the application of it. They're the outcome of it. The gateway is none of those things. It's a fact. Did this occur or not? If it did, continue on from there and examine the rest of the claims from there. If it did not, stop, cease, and continue as you were, having the same arguments you were as if this event never occurred. No middle ground. No middle ground. That's it. That's all there is. There isn't any more. Start there, and then that, that answer there determines what future answers you'll have everywhere else. So since, since what I believe is based on a fact that God supernaturally intervened into human history to raise his dead son back to life, I'm not permitted... My worldview is not permitted fatalism. When I do the math, it's not good. But the world is not, the, the, the universe isn't governed by math, is it? The creation is governed by the creator. He has his own math. Now, Here's the thing, though, because I don't want people to take what Todd said and go the other way and make and be trite about it. Well, Jesus will just turn this thing no, around. Of course not. No. Um, 
there's a difference between fatalism and justice. If we are so far gone that there will be no divine Hail Mary pass, but instead we are living in the judgment of a culture. Who's doing the judging? God. Who was doing the saving in the previous example? God. So who's in control in either situation? Exactly. God. Yeah. yeah. And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Does this society deserve saving? No. Do you deserve saving? No. Do I? No. Aaron? No. no. Anybody that's ever been saved? No. Anybody ever deserved saving? No. Nope. So whether it's grace or justice, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. This is the point. Now, now, I don't know the mind of God. I don't know. One thing you see when you, when you study the kingdom of God closely is God is rarely early, but he's never late. You know? So, until the last nail is pounded in the coffin called America, I'm going to fight. If you put the, you don't even have to put the Wonder Woman lasso of truth around me. I'll just tell you right now without even doing that. I think we're toast. And I say that with three kids, uh, either in early years of adulthood or embarking upon it, a grandchild on the way, and I've got all this hope for the future for her and everything else. But ultimately, my hope is not in the future for her, but the one who holds the future for her and the rest of us. That's my hope. And I trust that a God who loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us. I trust he will deal with these situations fairly, justly, because that's what he is. That's who he is. So I don't think the math is good. The math wasn't good, though, when they put a millstone in front of a tomb belonging to Joseph of Arimathea. Math wasn't good then either. Was the math good? No. No. God just did new math. He does his own math. Nor for Abraham, nor for Moses. That's and right. on and on and on. On the other hand... The math wasn't good when the Assyrians showed up, was it? Right. And the math wasn't good when the Babylonians showed up, right? right? Yeah. Math wasn't good sometimes when the Philistines showed up. Right. Math wasn't good when Titus showed up. Math wasn't good when Hadrian showed up. See where I'm going with this? Yes. Yeah. None of it was fate, though. That's right. It, it was, was either, either grace or justice. Grace or justice. There is no fatalism. It's, everything is grace or justice. Everything is. And either way, that means God is in control. So I think that was, you okay with that distinction? Preach. Okay. Preach. All right, good. All right, we'll come back and we'll do more Ask Me Anything here in a moment. Back here on the Steve Day Show, and we are looking forward to the day that we no longer have to talk about our friends at Preborn, as are they. They're an outstanding pro-life ministry that understands that you need both truth and grace, and you've got to love both the child, the baby you're trying to save, though, and, and the mom that is that feels the pressure or the temptation to kill her child. And so here's what they do. Uh, they put both of those two things together into practice. First of all, they confront moms gently in terms of their approach, but it is a confrontation nonetheless. They are, they are giving them information that goes against what their emotions are telling them they should do. Their emotions are, given, are, are, are feeding all the lies. And therefore building up this critical mass that the only way out is to kill their kid. And they come along with objective truth and say, hey, hear this. Listen to this ultrasound. 
That's your baby's heartbeat. That's not your body. That's somebody else's heartbeat. 80% of the time when a mom hears that, she is convicted and doesn't go through killing her kid. But now here's the thing. All the conditions that were in place for why she was tempted to do such a, a terrible thing in the first place, they're all still there. You've heard me say every time we talk about preborn, chances are if you're a woman in a healthy and secure, fulfilling relationship and you're pregnant, you're not thinking of killing your kid. It's usually women who aren't. And so they now need to love the mom. All right. They, they gave her the truth. Now comes the grace. So they offer her all kinds of counseling, pre postnatal care. All of this is free of charge as well, provided they have funding from people like us. If you'd like to make a tax deductible donation, especially this time of year, a lot of people looking at year end giving few causes you're going to find better than this one. Go to preborn.com slash Steve. You know, a donation as low as 28 bucks will provide at least one ultrasound and that's 80% odds that that'll save a life, just that $128 donation. Uh, take that chance. Preborn.com slash Steve. Again, that's preborn.com slash Steve. All right, let's get more into Ask Me Anything. Aaron. We'll go to Anthony Johnson next, who asks, what would you want Ron DeSantis to ask Gavin Newsom during their debate? Rush used to ask people questions. Rush Limbaugh used to ask people questions that would uh, call in that disagreed with him about an issue. And Rush would not answer, but instead ask them a question about the issue they disagreed with Rush on. And by the time Rush was finished asking them questions, the caller would leave. Uh, the caller would either with their mind changed or they would be arguing with themselves. Now, these are really good questions this week. Um, I would ask questions very open ended. What is a law? What's the definition of the word good? Yeah, yeah. Where would we get that definition from? What is a law? What are laws based on? What settles conflicts when there are different definitions of the term law? Do the same thing with good. How do you know what you think is good is good? Ask, I'd ask revealing questions that get to the heart of someone exposing their true worldview. What, what I have found in my career going back to, you know, WHO, Bob was on here earlier mentioning the debates that we used to have with, with state Supreme Court justices telling us we, we couldn't, uh, we had to do whatever judges told us to do. And I mean, we would debate these people and just broke them down. Neither one of us spent three minutes in a law school. We just broke them down with questions. What's the law? What's your, how do you know what the law is? Where does the law come from? What, 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 I have dis, what, what, I, what I've learned, whether it's doing that, whether it's, you know, in another life, I did dozens of appearances on MSNBC, whether it's in another life, debates that I've done in the past, when you're dealing with today's leftist, chances are, it's not 100%, few things east of Eden are, but this one, I wouldn't say it's 100%, but it's a high likelihood. The, 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 the core fundamentals and premises of their belief system, they've never, never been challenged. They've never had to answer them. Let me give you one example. If you guys have listened to this show for years, you've heard me cite this before. If you're one of the people that just came in over the last few years, starting with COVID, maybe this is new to you. All right. I remember once during the 2012 election campaign, during one of my appearances as a token conservative contributor on MSNBC, there was a big debate about Romney and, and Obama and who would be better at creating jobs, you know, and understand, you know, how a roundtable, even back then, when MSNBC was willing to entertain people like me. Now they're not. Okay, so even back then when they were, 
The round table was a left wing host. Tamron Hall was usually the show I was on and she was always really good to me. We, our family really, we really enjoyed her. Uh, and then it's a four person panel usually, and it's three variations of, of leftist and then me. And either every time I've, I've either got to go first or last. Okay. So I either have to go first in order to get set up to be, to give everybody the last word, or I'm given the last word, but there's only a minute or so left in the entire panel and I've got to get to it fast. Right. And so in this case, I was the last person. So here's what I did. Um, their entire argument for the, this was a seven minute panel. Six minutes of it was you tax the rich to create jobs. They come to me and I asked them a simple question. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten a job from a poor person. I waited. No hands went up. I said, yeah, me too. All my jobs have come from rich people. So explain to me how we're going to create more jobs by confiscating the wealth of the only class of individuals who have the capability of creating said jobs. Reaction of this panel? Next on MSNBC, that, that, there was, they had nothing to do. There was no, there's no place to go. That was it. There was no place to go. Many, they have been permitted to live in an environment where they very seldom face cross-examination. We are, where they are, they are demanded to show their work and not just rely on a talking point or a slogan. And I mean, that's, that's true even when they're on a Fox News. There's very few shows even on a Fox News. I mean, that's, remember, that's really what, what, what blew Tucker up on Fox when he got that job following Bill O'Reilly. I mean, Fox thought they were getting the same bow-tied technocrat, pseudo-libertarian that, you know, Tucker had kind of fashioned himself for years when he was on MSNBC and CNN before he came to Fox. And so he had all these friends on the left. You guys remember this? When he first took over, he yeah. started inviting him on his show. Yes. And he just started asking him questions. Yes. Just get him talking about their worldview and where it comes from. Oh, really? Explain this. And he would just sit there with that look that he gets when he, when he knows yeah. he's got you cornered. I okay, I love I that look, by the way. And uh, that kind of... We're just sitting there like that in the split screen. He's like, while well, you're talking, right? And he just... These people just destroyed themselves. To the point they won't come on anymore. They they stopped coming on because they couldn't they couldn't answer the questions without doing that. I I would I would I would want Gavin Newsom to talk, provided he is explaining why he believes what he believes. I'd be asking questions that get to that. Yeah, you've got to disabuse. This it's so perfect. This comes up in the context, and Steve and I were talking about it online. But the Irish ch- chick. In the montage, she if you take everything but like the very end of you don't know what she's talking about, the topic, the context or anything like that. If you just let her talk and you heard that before, we agree with every word she says about the common good that, yes, laws do limit. Right. We agree with that in the broadest possible theory. Now we need to put flesh on the bone. And we've so neutered ourselves as people who define truth that they just took the flowery language and they hide about it. It's malfeasance on our part not to ask the question Steve's talking about. It's more stark than ever before. Steve's talking about a time back at 15 years ago with Tamron Hall. Right now, 
You know what she believes by the common good? She believes in cutting the balls off little boys and showing them porn. That's her. Make her talk about that. Yes. Because we have a difference of opinion on that, and we want to talk about that. Amen. You said it better than me. Well done. Next up, we go to Bill Caldera. Is calling someone establishment or outsider meaningless at this point? Yes. Much like you, I'm being called establishment when I used to be a right-wing nutter, and none of my core principles have changed. Yeah, the, the terms are irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, after I've talked about this before, I, I tried to get out of this business after the 2016 cycle. I mean, that cycle about broke me because what it revealed to me is that there was a rising tide of our own people that had very little care for truth. When, when I had at least, and maybe it was, maybe this was true at some point and I just believed it for too long. I was, I got into this business believing the other side had no regard for truth. And then when I realized, Oh crap, I'm aligned with a lot of people that don't care about the truth. I'm like, I think I'm done. Unfortunately, I've, made so many enemies doing this i i can't work in anything else at least not in public i'm i've scarlet lettered me so i was stuck and now i've now i'm you know i'm all i, I realize this is my calling it's what god put me on this earth to do for not always so that's not solely but primarily so i'm good with it and that's you know i'll end up doing this until the day i die whether that's tomorrow or 30 years from now but um that's that's the big lament that I have is that I, I don't, I'm not permitted anymore the notion or the fantasy that the disdain or lack of, of give a bleep for truth is singularly disposed to the, the, the philosophical side I am trying to defeat. But it is increasingly becoming paramount within the side that I, I I think I'm trying to support. And, you know, as a Christian, I'm not permitted to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. I'm not permitted to do that. Paul says, should we do evil so that good may come? See, I'm not permitted to do that. As a Christian, I'm to be checking my motivations and the motivations of those I'm aligned with all the time. And God will not be mocked. That's, and go back to what we said before. Whether it's justice or grace, God is in charge, right? Yes. So we're not out here creating outcomes. We're not doing that. That doesn't, that doesn't mean we have like no freedom at all, but but it's not like you're going to come up, we're going to come up with something. God will be like, oh, I was just totally blindsided by that. I guess we have no plan. That, that's not, you know, there's a big box called God's sovereignty. With it now, now, depending on your view, if you're a Pelagius, it's a really big box. Maybe not a box at all. Okay. Um, if you're a Calvinist, it's a it's a very small box. <laughs> it, 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 in fact, the argument is: is it a box? Is it a dot? Okay. All right. If you're a Minion, it's it's a kind of box. You know, it's eh, it's a good size box. Okay. But there is a box, we can debate which of these camps you're in. There is a box, and, 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 it, and, the, and, that's, and that box is God's sovereignty. Within that box, we are permitted freedom. But we don't, we don't violate the box. Because he is God and we are not. All right, so 
within that box, we are permitted the freedom of choice and then the consequences of those choices. But like, we're not permitted to say, you know what, we're going to choose to not obey gravity. We're not, if I fling myself off the top of the building, that box is still in place, right? Yes. Gravity has chosen to obey God, that's creator and not us. So we, we, we ultimately we're not put that question back up there. So Aaron, so I put it in the right context, if you don't mind, ultimately that's right. The truth question, the truth is the truth, whether we don't get to change it. And a lot, a lot more people on the right are now believing that they do get to change it. Well, you're, you're an establishment rhino because I said so. There's no objective terminology at all. The terms don't mean anything. It was five minutes ago that everybody would have agreed that that's a man and that's a woman. Mm-hmm. It was five minutes ago. And now... How many people don't believe it? How many people are too scared to say the truth? Like what? You can't. There's no point in trying to navigate that successfully. It's insane. If, if, let me give an example of exactly what we're, you, you're talking about. If, if Bruce Jenner were a Democrat, would, would, would he have been given a, no. a, a fetting no. at the Reagan library last month? No. Would he have uh, is, his yes. own personal bathroom at Mar-a-Lago? That's exactly the point. No, he would not. On the other hand, if Bruce Jenner were not a Republican, would, but a Democrat, would he have a contributor gig on MSNBC or CNN right now? If he, I think if the you were a Democrat, yes, yes, yes the yeah, answer would, is yes. Would, would he be getting fed at the Clinton Library? Right. You see yes, what I'm saying? Yes. This is all identity-based cultic kind of stuff at this point. And, you lost that, me when I was trying to check the right boxes in combination. I know, but yeah, I no, know. That's, but that's the point. It's hard to follow the scribbly lines. Yes. yes, I know. But that, but that's what we're talking about. There's no plumb line anymore. The plumb line is, if you are aligned with whatever agenda I am seeking, you're good. Right. And if you are not, you're not. As a Christian, I'm not permitted to do things like that. I am not permitted to align with things that have bad motivations because I think they might do good. Because the box is God's. He is ultimately in charge of results. All things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. He's in charge of the results ultimately. So I'm not permitted to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not permitted to steal from my neighbor in order to give, to give that to somebody poor. I'm not permitted to do that. I've, I've committed theft. Scriptures say if someone steals from you because they're hungry, that would be a good motivation to steal, right? That's a pretty good motivation, right? Sure. I'm hungry. I'm starving. If someone steals from you because they're hungry, you're not angry at them. But they still must pay back four times what they took. They still must make restitution for what they stole from you. You're not entitled to something because you lack. Because you're not entitled to anything, actually. It's one of the commandments. Thou shall not covet or feel entitled. You're entitled to nothing. You're lucky to be alive. You're lucky God gave you air. You deserve nothing. You're a sinner. You'll betray him in a second. You're lucky he gives you squat. Instead, he gives you even much more than that, knowing you'll betray him in a second. 
So I, I, I'm not permitted to do bad things. I, I, I had, I had some people, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the air. I'll tell it now. I had some people come to me years ago that there was a rhino in the state legislature who had an alcohol problem. I was a local host still. And he was holding up a lot of the legislation we wanted. And so their plan was they were going to take him out to drinks after session, get him drunk, put him behind the wheel of his car, follow him around and film it with their phones and then give that to the media. You told us this behind the scenes. And they wanted to know if, if I would help them. And I said, hell no, I won't do that. I'm not. No. No, we're not, we're, I'm not, as a, I'm not in, I don't entice, I can't stand this legislator. I've tried to get rid of him in primaries, but I'm not going to entice him to sin and potentially harm himself or others. I'm not going to do evil so a good may come. Well, right now, a lot of the right says we're going to do evil so that our version of good may come. And that's the conflict. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.